Hey friends, this is Kelly Bonniewell with uh, Together, and uh, today uh, Rachel and I had the privilege of interviewing Keith and Jan Scop. And again, we are interviewing so many couples of late who have very powerful stories, and Keith and Jan definitely have one. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Uh just as a little bit of a teaser here, uh, Keith and Jan were married and then they were divorced and then they ended up getting remarried. But that story is not as easy as it sounds. And so I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. So Kelly, you and I get to sit down with some uh, people I know quite well. Yes. So I told them I signed them up for this opportunity. And so, yes, uh, there's such a compelling story. So we get to sit down today with Keith and Jan Scott. And uh, I grew up the daughter of a school teacher, and these were fellow teachers um, that kind of watched me grow up. And I think when we sat down, you're like, wow, you're all grown up. (laughs) For sure I am now. Mm -hmm. So let's get to know you two. Uh, Keith and Jan, tell us a little bit about what you did for work, a little bit about your family life. All right. Uh, I grew up in a a very conservative Dutch home, Uh, went to church twice every Sunday, Wednesday night catechism, uh, all that kind of stuff. And uh, when I left uh, the home, I became a school teacher and I went to West Ottawa, taught there for 35 years, met your father there. He was a tremendous influence on my life. He still is, but he took me under his wing. Uh, we both became coaches. He was coach already. And my first year of teaching, I was coaching and uh, he just directed me and helped me in so many ways. Uh, he has been a tremendous blessing in my life. And I appreciate that. That's awesome. You Keith, know- what did you, uh, what did you teach? Yeah. I taught social studies for uh, 35 years. Wow. That's a long <laughs> and, time. Yep. Yeah. All at West Ottawa, same district. And then I retired and I became AD following your dad, who was the AD. Uh, So he helped me in that capacity as well. And I did that for five years before they finally said, you know, we don't need you anymore. You're getting uh, along. They didn't say it like that, but it was time to quit. So 40 years. That's neat. You know, something that's really great about my dad is he is so good at spotting potential in people. And he did that in you right away. So it's really neat to see um, what God did through your relationship. And then uh, Jan, tell us a little about uh, how did you find your way to that work world? And Sure. uh, Sure. Yeah. Be glad to. Um, So I grew up right here in Grand Rapids on the northeast side, Um, lived there my whole life and attended Northview High School, graduated from there and um, then went off to college. I ended up at Taylor University and I majored in physical education, Uh, graduated there with a teaching degree. And then I came back to Michigan to look for a job and uh, ended up over at West Ottawa and taught there for in phys ed for about 16 years in the middle school. And then I Middle finished. schoolers. I know, right? What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. I yeah, loved it. Yeah. So um, 
then I pursued a degree in counseling, uh, got my master's in counseling, and then I switched roles from teaching phys ed in the middle school to counseling in the middle school level. I did that for eight years and then switched over to high school counseling and finished up my career uh, counseling there for eight years. So a total of 32 years all at West Ottawa. Now, you two are still in Holland. What is What does life in Holland look like? What does your family look like these days? Oh, I tell you, we are so, so blessed. We have two daughters who both have three children. Uh, one is a teacher. One of my daughters is a teacher at Zealand West, and her husband is the principal of oh Zealand boy. West. Way to stay with the education theme. <laughs> and, and she has great job security. Her uh-huh. boss is her husband. Oh, fun. So we kind of laugh about that sometime. Our other daughter uh, works in Holland for a builder, and her husband is a uh, 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 facilities manager, I would say, at Holland Hospital. They each have three children, and the blessing is we see our grandkids on a daily basis, mm. all six of them. Wow. Now you being that influence in their lives you is best. great. So for the past 12 years since I've been retired, um, we've been truly blessed, like Keith said, to be able to be a part of our grandchildren's lives through daycare, babysitting. We've helped with all of them, and we have six of them ranging in ages from 13 to 4. So now we're just finishing up with our last little guy, and it's kind of breaking our hearts because <laughs> it's an end of an era for us, I right? Bet. And so it's it's just been a true, true um, blessing in our journey. That's awesome. Uh, so I want to know, so how did this story begin between Keith and Jan? Did you guys meet at the at the school? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it was kind of crazy. Again, your father played a role in this. I uh, I had already been teaching for four years, and I owned a duplex in Holland. I lived in half, and I had couples living in the other half, and that's how I kind of sustained my income on that property. And the couple that had been there had been there for quite a while, and one day... They came to me and said, we've got to move immediately. We've got a job offer. We can't pass it up. It's in Tennessee. Would you let us get out of our lease? I said, well, of course, I'm not going to hold you back. You've got an opportunity to move. Go ahead. That very same day, your father called me on the phone and said, hey, we've got a couple of young ladies who are going to uh, room together. They need a place to stay. Is your place available? Oh, my. (laughs) I said to him, if you'd have called me this morning, Mm -hmm. I would have said, no, it's, it's taken. But just within the last couple of hours, it has become available. Please send them over. And that's how I met Jan. She, she came over on a Sunday to look at the place. And I was so enthralled by what I saw when she got out of that car. I'm 27 now. Okay. I'm still single. My friends are all married. I wanted to get married, but I hadn't found the right person. She got out of that car. And let's be honest, guys, the first thing you notice is the girl and what she looks like. And I just, oh, I got to have this girl live here. This is amazing, especially if she's single. I didn't know yet if she had a boyfriend or Mm. anything like that, but I, I couldn't take the chance of missing out on this one. So I asked her when she toured the place, how much do you want to pay? As silly as that sounds. And we kind of negotiated something and from there it took off. Well, how did it take off? Jan, you tell me, what was the next step? Well, let's just back up a little bit because <laughs> okay. this, is, this is pretty epic here that 
initial meeting of, of Keith and Jan, um, I was thrilled, of course, to be offered a job at West Ottawa and uh, decided to find a place to live there. I was living in Grand Rapids at the time. And um, when Nick told me about this duplex opportunity, I said, okay, we'll take a look at it. So I drove over there on a Sunday and I was driving a Volkswagen convertible at the time, drove up into the driveway and there stood Keith. Not only was he standing outside in the driveway waiting for me, but he was in his Sunday best. Ooh. <laughs> and there's this, there's this picture that's in my brain forever of him standing there wearing a red, green, and white plaid jacket, a white shirt, a green tie, green polyester pants. This was in the early 70s, remember? And to top it all off, black and white patent leather wingtip shoes. Okay, wait a minute. That's what I saw. And you were enamored in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? I believe. How could you not fall in what love with that? What was the color of that jacket again? It was red, green, and white plaid. Oh, I, I wow. could just picture it. This I know. Is, I wish yeah. I had a picture. I, yeah. I, I wish I did. But mm-hmm. so, so that's how we started out. And I thought, wow, he looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so I get out of the car and I try to fix my hair a little bit because it's all windblown. We walked in and started talking and and uh, and I agreed to, to live there. And so we spent a lot of time together living rec- right next door to each other and saw each other every day when we came home from school. Um, it got to the point where we started having meals together, got to know each other well very quickly. Uh, I thought it was uh, easy to talk to, uh, fun to be with. We enjoyed some of the same interests. So we hit it off really well right away. What were your thoughts about that uh, in that like next step? Keith of, okay, just uh, Jan's not a tenant. She's now like, well, maybe moving towards like girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, as I say, I was just thrilled. She is easy to talk to. And, you know, every time I looked at her, I saw stars in my eyes. And I was just <laughs> so excited to get this thing rolling because, as I say, I was 27. All my friends had been married for a couple of years. And, of course, the parents, you know, parental pressure. Are you ever going to get married? This kind of thing. But I I just saw her as the one. And when I realized she had the same Christian commitment and values that I had, Mm -hmm. I I said, this is it. This is the one. Mm -hmm. So it didn't take us long. I think we, we met for the first time in August. That's when she came over. We were engaged in November. What? Okay. Yep. What? (laughs) What? Yes. August engaged in November. Married the following July. Wow. That's that's awesome. Less than a year. And why did you, uh, one question for me is why did you want to marry the other person? Jan, why did you want to marry Keith? Well, like you said, our Christian values were aligned and I knew that that was, I always knew that I, I would marry a believer, because growing up, my faith was very, very important to me. Um, even as a, a young child, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, um, all through you know, middle school, high school, I, I was active in our church, and that just really valued um, God and and the Christian principles that I was learning. Chose to go to a Christian college because that again that mattered to me, and I knew that my future husband would would have that would share those same values. So that was huge. Um, I also felt safe with Keith. And um, growing up, uh, my parents argued a lot. And some of those arguments escalated into physical abuse um, by my father towards my mother. And living with that as a child, I just promised myself that I would never marry someone who would treat me that way. Mm. And I knew Keith would not do that. So I felt mm. safe with him. Keith, what's your, what were your thoughts about that? 
Well, similar to what she said, I, faith was very important to me. Uh, I attended church. I had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And and I knew that that was one of the reasons I think it took me so long because I had dated other people before I met Jan. And I'd gotten pretty close to some of them where I started thinking to myself, is this the one? And then something would happen and I would know, no. Uh, you know, we'd start talking much more deeply and intimately, and I, I found that some of them didn't have the values I felt were important. Uh, a lot of them loved to imbibe in alcohol. I, ne- I have never been a drinker. I didn't want that in somebody. She just checked all the boxes, <laughs> and she also checked the boxes the ones I didn't want. You know, smoker, a drinker, partier. Didn't want somebody like that because that wasn't me. That wasn't the way. I felt comfortable, and and she didn't do those things, so it was just a great, great fit. That's the first time I've heard you tell it that way, because I also had those boxes that I wanted checked, the ones that you just mentioned. Yeah, lifestyle (laughs) factors are a big deal, and you knew that they would be in a marriage. You knew what you did not want Mm -hmm. in a marriage. Mm -hmm. Keith, you said she was so easy to talk to, like those were some things. So you went in with some great expectations Mm -hmm. when you got married. So you got married. Um, What did those early years of marriage look like for you? You know what? They were great. They really were good. Um, we both loved our jobs. We had a, a good and in, healthy income. Um, our two daughters were born uh, three and a half years apart and life was good. I, I really thought we were living happily ever after. That, that's what I signed up for when okay. we got married. And, and I felt like the first few years of our marriage, that's what we were living. Yeah. It, uh, it started off great. Um, I felt like this was forever, no problems, but there were some problems that I didn't anticipate underneath. Mm. There were some some differences that we had that started to slowly pull us away from each other. Okay. What were those, Keith? Well, first of all, I think that uh, Jan, Jan's, uh, she loves to do things, and that's great. I mean, she's very, very active, still is. But some of those things, I, I was concerned financially were going to lead us to an area that we would be stuck in. Um, she liked to travel, and I did too, but I worried about, well, is, can we afford this? Can we afford that? Um, she liked things. Uh, she grew up, I think she'd be the first to admit, she didn't have a lot. Hmm. She had a very poor family uh, background, didn't have a lot of things. And and I started to worry that, uh-oh, she wants this, and I don't think we can afford it. But I was a terrible communicator, terrible. And instead of really speaking the truth in love and saying, honey, I think we need to talk about this. This might not be where our, I just kind of clammed up. So on very different pages financially. Mm-hmm. Very different. And really experiencing some drift because of that. How did that feel to you that he was so like focused financially? and? Well, it's kind of interesting. I'm remembering a story now as you talk about that where um, – when Keith and I first started dating, and he's right, I, I grew up in a family, we didn't have a lot left over, and sometimes just couldn't even make ends meet in our my growing up family. Um, so when I got my first job, I was like, oh my goodness, I have so much money now. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got my first paycheck, it was like, oh, I can go out and buy new clothes so that I can use for teaching. Of course, I was justifying that right, right now. Right? Yeah. So 
when I um, got a notice that my car payment was overdue and that if I didn't come and make a payment right away, they were going to repossess my car, I thought, oh, whoops, <laughs> maybe I should have taken some of that first paycheck to put on the car. So what was I thinking? I asked Keith if he would like to drive into Grand Rapids with me to make a car payment on a car on a payment that was overdue. It's like, how could that not have been a red flag for you? Red flag, red flag. <laughs> I missed that first car payment. So. so, but there was a lot of conflict around this, which is on the there regular, was. but not conversation you said. No. You didn't talk and you're experiencing this drift. Talk a little bit about um, your ex- like how you learned to deal with conflict just from your upbringings. Well, I think that's where my problem was. Uh, my mom and dad were not communicators. I don't think I, I ever heard them in a serious conversation. It, it, it's like they tolerated each other. He did his thing. She did hers. They really didn't talk about things. And I never, to this day, I never heard either one say, I love you. Mm-hmm. I never heard my dad say to me, I love you, or my mother say, I love you. In fact, we kind of laugh about it now. But when Jan and I would be at our parents, my parents' house, and Jan would leave maybe before I did for some reason, and I'd say, I love you, my mom would look at me, why did you say that to her? And I go, she's my wife. I love her. Well, she knows that. You don't need to say it. So I I just, yeah. Maybe generational. I don't know. Right. I I just really didn't get much advice Mm -hmm. on how to communicate. Yeah. What about you, Jan? So um, I would say that as our differences became more and more apparent and, and we talked less and less, what I remember is the few conversations we did have just turned negative like that. And it took me right back to when I was growing up and how my parents would be always arguing. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm just recreating for my kids what I lived growing up. And I don't want that. That was heavy on my heart. And I didn't know what to do about it. I just got to the point where I was so discouraged and I didn't see it getting better. Um, we just went into survival mode. At that point. Jan, how many years had you been married? Probably nine. About year nine. Yeah. When things kind of really began to unravel and you were seeing the consequences of the things that weren't healthy in your marriage those first nine years. Yes. Yeah. And I finally got to the point where I was fed up with God. I mean, I tried to live this good Christian life and um, do the things that I was supposed to do and um, keep him as the center of my life. And my life was a mess. And I thought, okay, if this is your plan, I'm not a fan. And um, I'll take it from here. Thank you very much. And he let me. Within a year, we were divorced. Wow. Within a year, you were divorced. Now, how did how did that divorce come about? So you kind of had this this exchange with God, really, like, yep. I'll take it from here. Yep. So it was a year after that. Correct. Uh, okay, you did not anticipate that, obviously, Mm-mm. when you got married. What did that look like when mm. that actually happened for both of you? Just so broken. Just so broken. <clears throat> when we finally um, parted ways, we, we did the best we could to do it amicably. So it would be less, divorce is always traumatizing for children, but we wanted to make the best of it. So we divided everything up and um, tried to do that fairly. And then we he, he bought another duplex. I found another place to live. We were going to share custody of the kids. 
And yet, on that last day, when we left our home that we were sharing, all the furniture was gone. The girls were with us. We sat down in one of their bedrooms, and we just all burst into tears because it was so broken, and we didn't know how to fix it. And we had no hope of reconciliation, and yet, we didn't want what we were heading towards. If we could go back there and say, I don't want this, let's keep trying. I wish we'd have done that, but we didn't. I think we both thought in our minds, there's no hope. So you believe this is hopeless. Yep. And yep. and what steps had you taken before then to get help? Nothing, mm. pretty much. Mm. I think we went to counseling once. Oh, maybe. And you said, well, that didn't work. So I would never. <laughs> One session, that didn't work. <laughs> that <laughs> didn't fix us. <laughs> oh, yeah. I vaguely remember meeting with a counselor, um, a marriage counselor for, I don't know, maybe one or two times, but no. I don't even remember that. But That's here's the thing. We, we didn't involve anyone else in our, in our friend circle. We didn't let them in on what was going on. I didn't talk to my family about it, my siblings. We just kind of stuffed it all inside. That's mm-hmm. what I grow up learning, that when things bad things happen in your family, you don't talk about them. Mm-hmm. You just stuff them. And that's what I did. And um, obviously it caught up to me. I didn't want her, you know, that day we were crying mm-hmm. in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. I-, I wanted our family to be whole. Mm-hmm. I didn't want a divorce. Mm-hmm. But I had gotten the papers and I, I just thought this is this is the way it's going to be. So. so Keith, imagine you're back in that space and you are someone coming alongside where you were, like the person that you were at that time. What would you say to them? Like, how would you encourage them in that place of brokenness? Uh, don't do what I did. Uh, try to communicate. Uh, tell her your true feelings. Um, ask her, Is you know, can we try this again? Is there something we can do right now to not continue down this road? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. And and find find people that you can talk to that have godly values, uh, that you can share this story with, that can give you godly advice, uh, and just keep working at it. Just keep working. Don't give up. Mm. And let but me that's ask what you, I did. I gave up. Okay. Let me ask you a question too. You said my dad was a significant person in your life. Was he one that you could have talked to or did talk with? I, I did talk to your dad a little bit. Uh, and he encouraged me. He's such an encourager. You know, he just said, well, just pray. I'll pray for you, this kind of thing. But, it, it, you know, as I say, it was almost like it was too late. The papers were served mm-hmm. and the court date was set and we just went on. So question for you. So you get divorced at year 10, correct? Mm-hmm. And then how many years... So I have two questions. How many years did you remain divorced? Because you're here with us now. So a little... uh Spoiler alert here, uh, uh, Keith and Jan got remarried. Uh, (laughs) Didn't know if you caught that or not, (laughs) but uh, how many years were you divorced and what was that experience like personally for you? Can I jump in with, I want to go back to Rachel's question because when we were sitting there and um, she said, if someone were to come alongside you and give you the help you were looking for, what would that look like? What would they say? And if I would say to me, then fight for your marriage. Mm. Do not give up. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your husband. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your family is worth fighting for. Your children are worth fighting for. Don't give up. Jan, thank you for sharing that. I'm so glad. We didn't miss that. And that's from your experience and from where you've been. Um, I know when we met beforehand, you said on the other side side of that divorce that some people didn't even know that you were divorced. You kept it so (laughs) 
private. And you mm-hmm. said, you know, pretty friendly. How long were you living in that space where? Uh, it was about 10 years, believe it or not. <laughs> okay. What? 10 the next year 10. 10 recess. years. Mm. Wow. <laughs> we would attend our, our daughter's athletic events and we'd sit next to each other and we'd talk about what we were watching. And there were people there who, oh, there's Jan and Keith. You know, they're their daughter. They had no clue that we were living in different places. We were divorced. No, you don't go around telling people, hey, I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. how's so it going? Just mm-hmm. to clarify, um, our daughters were what I want to say eight, eight and, and four. four when we divorced. Mm-hmm. And so their growing up years through that 10 year period was through their teen years and all of the things that happened then and the athletic events. And so we saw each other a lot going to the girls' events and we got along well. We got along well. And for me, I was about seven or eight years into our divorce when I started realizing that Keith still loved me. And the reason I kind of knew that was because my mom passed away at about that point in time, seven or eight years after we got divorced. And Keith showed up for me and I knew he didn't have to. But it's like, wow, I started looking at that and going, maybe this, maybe there's something there still. So, yeah, what happened, Keith? <laughs> well, you know, I, I went to your mother's funeral. I, I loved your mom. I thought she was a wonderful lady. Uh, she worked so hard her whole life. And I still have feelings for you. I know. I uh, absolutely did. But did I tell her that? No, <laughs> because uh, I just didn't do that. It was ridiculous on my part, but I thought, well, we're doing okay. And the girls, the girls were very happy, as happy as you can be. I'm sure there were some issues, you know, that, but they seemed well adjusted and had friends and enjoyed coming to me for two weeks and then going packing up and going to mom for two weeks. So I just thought, don't upset the apple cart. But then Jan said something. (laughs) She shocked me. She came over one day out of the clear blue, which wasn't rare, knocked on the door and said, can I come in? I said, for sure. So she sat down and said, I think we need to get remarried. Oh my. <laughs> Could not believe it. Not let's date. Not, mm-hmm. Let's get remarried. I, I I was happy and sad. I I was a little worried, you know, just because this was so quick and so sudden, and yet it was kind of a dream of mine. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing we didn't share with you either: our daughters, when they were eight and four, and they would come over and go back and forth, they would always come over and say, Dad, I want to watch the movie. I want to watch the movie. You go, okay. The movie was The Parent Trap. Oh, my goodness. And if you know about The Parent Trap. True story. Yep. What was it about that movie, Jan? Well, yeah. Well, The Parent Trap is a story of two young girls whose parents are divorced, and they are conniving like crazy to get them back together okay? because they want their parents to be together. So our oh. children, our girls would watch that over and over. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's that's des- desire of your heart. And yeah, doesn't look like that's going to happen, but then it happened, right? <laughs> that is so funny. Before you said that, Keith, I was thinking of the parenting trap. You were not. Yes, I yeah. was. Yeah. That was their movie. Because huh, you guys have two girls and mm-hmm. that movie is with two girls. Mm-hmm. So they found out that you were going to get married again. How'd they respond to that? They were pretty quiet. um, And we just followed through with our plan. And uh, we got remarried with them present at the time and um, could tell that there was a little bit of unsettledness there. And we said, how how are you feeling? And go, maybe it wasn't the day that we got remarried, but 
a week or two later and we notice that there's just a little hesitancy on their part. And um, I think it was our oldest daughter that says, we kind of got used to the way things were when you Mm -hmm. weren't married and it was okay. And we remember what it was like before you got divorced. And we don't want that. We were afraid it might go back to that. And it did. Mm. And it did. Mm. And talk about that. (sighs) Well, within, you know, we got remarried and within about two years, we were right back where we were before. We had done nothing, nothing to overcome the obstacles that we had in our first marriage. We didn't talk finances again, so that started rearing its head. Uh, the quietness, the lack of affection, all of these things came right back again. And we were looking at a second divorce, and it was the lowest point of my life. It was devastating, absolutely devastating to think that I had failed a second time in my marriage. And I couldn't begin to think how we were going to talk to the girls about that. And so we just agonized over that and, again, struggled in that dark place alone, didn't talk to anybody, nobody knew what was going on. And we just... uh, Jan, I remember when we chatted before, you said in that place, you recognized this was going to take a miracle. Absolutely. And then how did God come your way? It was was what I consider a point in my life where God showed up. I didn't really ask him to, but he did. I was a... Working as a high school guidance counselor at West Ottawa during this time when we were really struggling. And again, I didn't talk to any of my counselor colleagues about that. So to my knowledge, no one knew how bad things were for us. And yet we had these uh, regular counselor meetings that we um, held once a week. And so we're having our our weekly morning counselor meeting, just the six counselors and our leader. And our leader um, that morning was, was sharing some announcements with us. And to my recollection, out of the blue, she said, and there's this program that I want you all to be aware of called Restoring the Gift. And it's for people who are struggling in their marriage. And it's held at this church. And she lost me after that. And I thought, what? Wait a minute. We're high school counselors here. We work with high school students, none of whom are married. Why is she talking about this right Mm. now? And I remember looking around at each face in the room until I got to me. And I said, she's talking to me. This is for me. Mm-hmm. And yet she had no idea what was going on. So I go home and I talk to Keith and I said, did you know about this class that they're holding at church? And he goes, well, yeah, I kind of heard about it. Well, <laughs> what do you think? Should we check into it? We, we didn't have anything else to go, go to. And he said, okay, all right. Let's let's try. Let's let's see if we can get in it. So I had two thoughts. Number one, the class had already started and they wouldn't let us in. And number two, that they would probably offer it again sometime, but for us it would be too late. Mm. So I was at the point of thinking even months away would be it would be over. And um, so we sat down with a couple. They agreed to meet with us who was leading the class and um, asked if we could join. And they talked with us for a while. And that's where I said, it's going to take a miracle for this to work. And Keith, where did that where did that all go? Well, they let us in. <laughs> and it was interesting <laughs> because they're some of our best friends right now. Yeah. They even admit they had a difference of opinion. <laughs> One wanted us to be in The other one said, it's too late. They missed that first. We got to have a cutoff. Don't let them in. But thankfully, she won. (laughs) And so (laughs) they let us in and we took the course. It was 10 more weeks that we would go to church once a week on a Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. And the topics were so important because they were just the kinds of things we needed to hear. 
lessons on communication, on guilt, on anger, on fear. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Oh, that's a big one. Letting go. Uh Letting go. And slowly but surely, it just seemed like we were getting a little bit closer. It wasn't fast. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't like after the course was done, okay, Mm -hmm. we're good. But I could just tell there's hope. Mm -hmm. There is hope. And that's something neither one of us had when we started that program. What was uh, for you, for each of you, what was one key point, learning lesson, application that did bring about that change that you guys had so long hoped for? Well, that's a good question. I actually had a couple of things that I took from that class that I still try to adhere to today. And one of them was um, look for the good. Mm. I had gotten to a point in our marriage where I wasn't looking for that in Keith anymore. And all I saw was the negative. So every time we'd have an argument, I'd say, see, there's another reason. See, that's why. See? And all I could see was a negative, And I knew that I needed to turn that around and deliberately, intentionally start looking for the good in Keith that was still there. All that good stuff I saw in him when I first met him was still there. I had just stopped looking for it. And I needed to start doing that again. So I intentionally tried to do that. And the second thing I, I really learned about myself was it's not about me. Every argument, every disagreement we had, I only saw that from one perspective. And that was my I didn't try to see it from Keith's point of view or how our daughters saw it. It was all about me. And I had to get to the point where it's not all about me and start deliberately looking at it from others' perspective. Wow, that that's made a really powerful, Jan. Made a difference. And it's ironic because the last time, so the last couple, Rachel and mm-hmm. I interviewed, Kyle and Elizabeth Pierpont, that looking for the good... Oh. was a very key changer for them. Mm. So that's kind of neat. Keith, how about you? What was one or two things that really powered you through? Well, when they did the lesson on communication, I was so bad at that. So bad at that. As I said, I was either, I would either just say nothing or I got to the point when there were times I would tell her when she demanded an answer, I would tell her not what I truly felt, but what I knew she wanted to hear. Mm. Okay. I don't I don't want conflict. I hated conflict. I grew up thinking that married couples don't fight and therefore we should never fight. So I would tell her what I knew she wanted to hear. I learned in the communication lesson, I vividly remember, that it's okay for married couples to have arguments. It's okay to disagree about things. Speak the truth in love. Resolving conflict is okay in marriage. There should be conflict. There's going to be conflict. Wow. Never heard that before. Mm -hmm. So that was big. The other key thing about restoring the gift for us at that time was we were surrounded by people who were for us. Mm. Couples who had been where we were, they understood, they didn't judge us, and they just walked alongside us and and guided us through that that program. But having others around was, um, I, I, I didn't feel alone anymore. That's awesome. So you you gained so much from being involved with that, but you applied it little by little. How many years have you been on the other side of (laughs) that opportunity? Oh, boy, we took that class. When, honey? That class was in um, 2001 or two. Yeah, early 2000s. So we've been living on the other side of that since then. Awesome. And something that comes up too, um, as we sit down with couples is God has a way of not wasting the hard stuff we've been through. 
mm-hmm. and God used this ministry in your life. And then it sounds like you've gotten involved in this ministry and come alongside other couples. What does this ministry look like these days and what is your involvement with it? Well, before we got involved with the ministry, I will tell you that God led us to a point of telling our story out loud. He he led us to a point in our church where, you know, we were living the good life and uh, things were going well. And this was like 17 or 18 years after we had the Restoring the Gift class. And we, not a lot of people that we were associated with knew that we were even divorced, right? So I was fine with that. I really didn't care that they didn't know about all of our broken past. And then someone at church found out about our story, shared it with a minister, He wanted to do a sermon on building walls and relationships and asked us if we would share our story. And honestly, I wanted nothing to do with that. I I just thought, nope, not happening. And we were attending a rather large church. Yes. (laughs) 2000 would be a typical Sunday. And so we were going to be on the big screen in front of 2000 people. And that scared Jan it did. a whole lot more than it did me, I think. So I didn't even want to tell Keith about that request, but I knew I had to. And he said, well, I have to let you know that um, I was reading a book called Never Let Go by Mac and Mary Owen. And I just read the part where it said, you have to tell your story mm. to lots of people. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Ah, well, Jan, you had said this would take a miracle. Yes. And it is God worked a miracle, but it's often but not I didn't just want it for to be us. That. <laughs> right? yeah. And you're like, but you're, you have a history of being super private. Yes. And so this was quite that's an opportunity. Vulnerable. That's transparent. I yeah. don't, that's, that's scary for me. So uh, anyway, we did. Um, they, they, they brought all their stuff over to our, our condo and, and videotaped a, a, a three hour session of just answering questions. And we had no idea what part of that three hour interview they were going to condense into his message. So on the day that he used it during his sermon, I was a wreck. I was a wreck. I was like, okay, can I, can I change my mind? It's like, we're sitting in church and this service has started. It's like, can I, can I change my mind and not, maybe not do that? Cause I don't know what they're going to say. And then it's like, we can't take it back. So we just sat there and, and our daughter who had come to um, be with us that day for moral support during the service said to me, I think she knew I was nervous. She said, mom, how are you doing? I go, well, I'm nervous. And she said, well, I have to tell you, I was thinking about this. On, she's all grown up now. Right. And she said, I have to tell you, I was thinking about this on the way over here this morning. Maybe this isn't just about you anymore. Mm. Maybe God can use your story to help others. And it's like, oh, that just broke me. It's like, okay, whatever they're going to show, I'm fine with. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That was kind of funny because as they were showing it, I, I noticed people sitting in our pew looking at us <laughs> like, no idea. I think that's you up there. We didn't know that. So, yeah, but it, oh. it's it's out there. And now we're the opposite. I think we love opportunities to share our story because we've seen what it's done in the lives of other people. You know, one thing you said, I just want to camp on a verse in Joel, and that verse is, the Lord will restore the years the locusts have eaten away. Mm-hmm. We lost 10 years. Mm, can't be That 10-year period of time, we can't get that back. Sure. But the blessings he has bestowed on us these last 20 since restoring the gift have more than made up mm. for the 10 years we lost. So that verse, I thought, will never apply to me. Oh, yeah, it sure does. It'll always stick with me. He's restored those years. 
So glad we didn't miss that verse. And, uh, you know, Jan, you had said you would encourage people or you would encourage that young woman to fight for her marriage. And you just hear how God was fighting for yep. your marriage and that he had this in his plans for you. He did. It's remarkable. He did. And then, uh, so he used you in that church setting uh, in uncomfortable ways. But you said you got, you, you arrived at restoring the gift hopeless and you left with hope. Yes, we did. So uh, how are people who feel hopeless now being helped to find their way to hope through that ministry? Well, about three years ago, we got a call from that very couple who let us in to that class. All those years ago, they were still leading Restoring the Gift. And um, another couple they were co-leading with had to step away and they were looking for other co-leaders and they called Keith and I to come and meet with them out of the blue. We just, we haven't talked to them in a long time. And so we went over there and, and, and talked with them and they asked us right out. They said, we're looking for other co-leaders and a couple of people have recommended you because they know your story. And so we shared with them our story. They really didn't even know what all had transpired all those years. Um, so on our way home, we decided, yes, this is something that God is really tugging on our hearts to do, and, and we want to be a part of this ministry going forward. So why don't you go ahead and tell them, honey, what that looks like? Well, they asked us, they said, now, this could involve some talking in front of people. Are you okay with that? He said, well, they didn't even know we were both ex-teachers for 35 years. <laughs> I said, I think we can handle that teaching part. Sure. And so... I was excited about that. Um, Jan was excited about that. So we joined the team and we you know, taught some of the lessons and counseled some of the couples. And uh, eventually what happened is they are a little bit older than we are and some health issues has come up for them as a couple. And so they've stepped back and they've asked us to kind of take the lead. And so we did that. And so we've kind of come full circle where we are one of three couples now that uh, co-lead. We like to think of ourselves all as co-leaders, co-lead this class. And it is, it's so powerful and amazing. And we just look forward to doing it every year. And it sounds like there's an opportunity coming up for couples who are in a similar place to get involved. And, and it's a little condensed. Tell us about what that's going to look like. We have a um, Restoring the Gift retreat coming up in early October. It's a weekend retreat, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday event, where we take all of the lessons that we teach in Restoring the Gift, and there's about 10 of them. We condense it into that one weekend where couples, they stay at the retreat where we, we hold it at the shack in White Cloud and, and, and the couples stay there for the weekend. So we do lessons and then we have follow-up conversations with um, and we break out into small groups and talk about, but it's a very condensed version of Restoring the Gift. And it works well for people who can't take the other class that we offer um, once a year, which usually starts in January and goes through March. It's a, it's a 10 or 11 week class once a week that works for some couples and the retreat works better for others. So it's it just a matter of you no know, preference there. In the retreat, uh, Jan, what date is that? October 6, 7, and 8. Okay. And then if a couple wanted to get involved in the other way, that's at what church and where's that? Where's we that occur? Our host, um, Emmanuel Church in Holland is hosting that for us at this time. We've taught it there the last two um, years uh, between January and March. Uh, and we typically meet once a week for two hours in the evening and we go through the curriculum um, in that way. 
So well, in January. So the way God worked in mm-hmm. your marriage through that ministry, um, I wonder if there's some couples listening right now where you need a miracle. Mm-hmm. You're where Jan was and you just don't see how this marriage will make it. We want to invite you to sign up um, to join that. Uh, you can email us at care at adabible.org. Is that, am I saying it yep. correctly? Okay. Yep. <laughs> it sounded funny coming up, but just care at adabible.org. Let us know if you're interested. We will help you get signed up. And uh, there will also be a link in the notes to this episode where you can sign up yourself and and. You know, this is really for couples, specifically for couples in that spot. So Keith and Jan, we want to thank you for letting us step into your story. I know it kind of stirs up um, those um, feelings, you know, that you felt way back when, but doesn't it just overwhelm you with how faithful God has been? It sure does. You know, right, right in those places. So thank you for joining us. And listeners, this has been another Together podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were equally inspired and we will catch you for the next episode. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform, leave a comment, and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.